that everybody's having such a good chat and a catch-up. I almost feel like it's a, a shame to interrupt, but I feel we should. Um, and I wondered this morning whether you've ever had, been in that situation where you have almost a miscommunication with somebody. And you think you're talking about the same thing, and they think you're talking about the same thing, but actually you're talking about two totally different things. This happens to me all the time. I say to the children, children, we're leaving in five minutes, so we're going to go in five minutes. And somehow they understand that to mean get as many toys out in the next five minutes and hide them in as many different places in the house as you possibly can. I just don't understand. We have this miscommunication. Karis sometimes says to me, oh, wouldn't it be nice to do something together on Friday night? And she probably has one thing in mind. I think she means something nice would be to get a takeaway, probably an Indian, and uh, watch Die Hard 6. And, and I'm sure that's what she meant when she said that. No? Sometimes you, you, we have these miscommunications. You know, you, it, when I was a student, you, you might have different people do the washing up in your house. I don't know how that is with you. In my house when I was a student, washing up was like, that was the main, washing up and whose turn it was to buy the milk. Does that sound familiar? Um, that was like the main source of tension. And you say to your housemate, oh, hey, um, I noticed you're washing up on the side earlier. And what you meant was, why have you not done your washing up again? And what they think you mean is, I noticed you're washing up. Don't worry about it. I'll do it later. It's this strange miscommunication. And we see this sometimes in the Bible. So I read um, our text this morning. I'm going to read it out for us in a, in a second. But we see this miscommunication that Jesus is talking about one thing and his disciples slightly misunderstand what's going on. So I'm hoping we'll be able to have our text of the morning up on the screens any second. So it's from John chapter 6. And if you have a Bible, please do turn there with me or flick there on your device or whatever it is you read the Bible on these days. So John verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 56. Jesus is speaking and he says, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also lives because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died, but he who eats this bread will live forever. Now these things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, mm, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, does this cause you to stumble? Well, what if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. I want us to pray together this morning for God to help us understand. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that this is written down and received by us today. It's something we can understand and that will speak to our hearts and speak to our lives. Father, I pray that you will send your Holy Spirit to um, breathe life into us this morning, to breathe life into this message, to breathe life into our hearts, and help us understand and respond to what you're saying. Amen. Now, this is a very interesting statement from Jesus. He's talking about 
what many of us today who have kind of been around churches or might have grown up in churches will recognize he's talking about communion. And we can understand that he's not talking literally that people will have to come and eat him. He's talking metaphorically and pointing towards something that he later goes on to unpack with his disciples when he shares the last supper with them in the last evening of his life and sets that up as something that's going to stand through the ages as a way for us in the church to remember him, to remember the cross, to remember all he gave for us there as a meal, as a feast where we can sit, eat together, break bread together, drink the the wine, the cup together, and actually remember what it was at the cross, what that signified for Christians through the ages. And many of us at the prayer meetings on Friday night um, will have broken bread together, will have shared communion together. And that was a great opportunity. Um, I wasn't able to be there. Karis was at the prayer meeting with our cell, um, and I was in the house both babysitting and preparing some thoughts for today. But it's great to be together in cells and in small groups, and actually in homes is really, really good to be together, to break bread, and remember this. And actually, Jesus is pointing towards that. But the thing that really strikes me about this that I think is really helpful for us is that he doesn't just unpack for the disciples at the time, you know, the line by line, oh, this is what I meant when I was talking about these things. Don't worry, guys, I'm not going all weird and vampire-esque on you. Actually, he doesn't kind of go into explaining that individual statement. Actually, instead, he gives us something that when we look for it is much more helpful for us because it paints a bigger picture not just about how to understand those specific words, but how to understand his whole words, everything that he says, and the way in which God speaks to us. And we get this insight in the way that Jesus unpacks that to the disciples. He says, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And the words that I've spoken to you are spirit and are life. And so on on that explanation of what it is like when he speaks with us and what is the nature and the type of words that he speaks to us, we get, actually, I think if we're looking for it, we get more than we're bargained for than just an explanation about communion. And that's what I want want us to get into today is looking at these things that Jesus says. And the first thing that I see in this is the substance of what he says. It's the substance of what he says. For this, uh, for this next bit, I will need a willing helper slash volunteer. And if no one comes forward, then I might just have to nominate someone stupid and dangerous place to sit in my eyeline, I'm afraid, sir. Stu, would you grab from behind there? There's a, a, a box which you can bring out for me. And actually, Stu, I'm going to give you a microphone so the, the good people of our congregation can hear um, what you're saying this morning. Ladies and gentlemen, can we have a round of applause for my willing volunteer? Slash victim. Right, thank you very much, Stu. If you could put that um, on the lectern, just hide my notes, that's fine. I don't need them at this point. Right, okay, so for you, thank you very much. Now, here we have a cardboard box. This box is cardboard. Yes. And therefore, it is made out of cardboard. It's brilliant. <laughs> Amazing. He's nailed it first time. Okay, now, Stu, I want you to open the box for me. Okay. I'm going to hide one thing, actually. Sorry about this. Just going to tuck this out of the way. We'll need that for a prop in a moment. I want you to take this one out. Okay, so um, now I want you just to help us here. If you hold that up nice and high for everyone to see. So this jar is... It's empty. It's empty. It's good, but it's not the one. As the, the, uh, it's the a cat- jam jar? With this jar is glass. Oh, oh, got you. Glass. Yes, it's, oh, okay. I'm with you. Cardboard, so cardboard, it's made glass, out glass. Of, yeah, I'm with you now. Yep. It's glass. It's made out of... 
Gloss. Gloss. Very good. Yes, very good. Uh, I got into trouble at work this week for my accent, actually, but we'll, I'll tell that story another time. Um, so, yes, this glass is, in fact, glass, and therefore it's made out of... Gloss. Glass. Glass. Yeah, whatever. Right. All right, and let's see what else is in the, in the box for us today. That would be helpful. Wooden spoon. Yeah, okay, so this spoon is... Wooden. Yeah, good, and that means it's made... Out, it's, it's, just, it's just this easy. It's amazing. So, and it's made out of... Wood. Very good. Round of applause, Mr. Vincent. Okay, got one more for you. Okay, good. Here we go. I'm going to give this to you right. Here we go. This word is life. Close. Spirit. Oh, oh. so close. No prize. Round of applause. Oh. This word is spirit. Yes, okay. so it's made out of. Ooh. Well, this is made out of paper. <laughs> well, technically, yes, that is true. But I'm going to say it's made out of. God's breath. Well, not bad, yeah, but really simple. Thank you very much. Thank okay, you. Thank Round of applause, Steve. You. Very, very helpful with that. Thank you very much. This, Jesus says, the words that I speak to you are spirit and are life. So, Steve was obviously paying attention to the second part of what Jesus said there, which is, you know, not bad. And he says, the word is spirit. And it really struck me as I was reading this that. It, Jesus doesn't say these words are spiritual. He doesn't say they're spirity. He says they're a little bit like spirit or, you know, some bits of them are, are, are spirit-esque or something. But he says really clearly, this word is spirit. And that really struck me, like thinking about that the words that Jesus is speaking are made out of something. There's a substance to them. There's a material that they're made out of. There's a, a fabric and a thing that they are actually made out of in some way. Now, it's not necessarily something you can always see, but they are made out of something. There's a substance to them, and that substance is called spirit. Now, we can sometimes understand some of this, because I just want to show you uh, an experience my children had this weekend um, with this spirit. What I was hoping you'd be able to hear was the hilarity that that produced. I, um, we were in, the, in a big family toilet, and uh, I was just sort of clearing up and turned around to hear Stella laughing. And Leo had discovered the hairdryer and was putting his head under it, and Stella thought this was hilarious. And about 11 seconds later, joined him diving under this thing. And what you should just about be able to see, and what they found out and experienced, is that you can't see, obviously, the air coming out of the handwriter in the toilet, but they felt it much to their delight and hilarity. And there's something similar with the, with the nature of the Bible, with the spirit, with the word that God speaks. We can't see it physically there in front of us, but we can feel the effects of it in our lives. Now, for me, it's really interesting. There's a couple of words that, um, that, that we should think about and look at. And one of them is the word in, in the Greek text that we have in the New Testament here to describe the word spirit. It sometimes means, sometimes translated as spirit, sometimes translated as breath, and it's a Greek word, pneuma. And as you say that word, it's the same concept, really, as when you say it. It's impossible to say it without letting out a breath. Clive was using a Hebrew word a few weeks ago, the word ruach, 
which is the Hebrew word for spirit or breath. And as you say that, you breathe out. And in English as well, we have a very similar feel. When we say the word breath, just hold your hand up in front of your face and say the word breath. If you don't believe that there's something coming out there, turn to your neighbour and say, I'm just going to say breath over you. And yes, it depends how well you know your neighbour um, and whether you brush your teeth this morning. But you, uh, you can feel that as you say a word, something comes out of you at the same time. And Jesus is saying something to us about the nature of the words that he speaks, that as he speaks out a word, it's not just nothing that's happening. It's not just nothing that's coming out. But as he speaks out that word, breath, something's happening. He's releasing something into the world. He's releasing something real into the world. He's releasing something that has substance into the world. And when we receive that word, we're receiving the substance of what he says and actually the power and the life of that, of what he says. And you might have to bear with me because... Sometimes my, my brain works in a particular way. And I was thinking about, you know, the, uh, if any of you guys remember doing chemistry at school or some of you are doing sort of science-type subjects at university, you'll remember the periodic table and the elements that make up the world around us. You might remember it. And um, every so often they discover a new element. A couple of months ago they think they discovered element number 117. And one group of scientists think they've discovered it and another group of scientists need to verify that they've actually discovered it. And then they'll eventually give it a name. But at the moment, it doesn't have a name. It's just called 117. And I guess somewhere there's a scientist who's saying, come on, name this one after me, because that's just what those guys live for. And uh, in my head, I kind of imagined, you know, this substance that Jesus is talking about. What if a scientist discovered it? You know, because it's just as real as that. It's as real as if somebody in a laboratory somewhere was discovering this previously unknown element. Now, Helen Wilson was going to help me here because... I just wanted to uh, imagine what that laboratory scene might look like. And really, it's just because I did uh, an art subject at university. I didn't get to wear a lab coat very often. I asked to borrow one this morning. And I sort of imagined this scientist will kind of capture in their spectroscope, which this is, and look at this substance that they've discovered and say, this is amazing. I've discovered a new substance. And one of his colleagues in the lab or her colleagues in the lab would say, oh, what is this substance? What is it? I don't know. I've never seen anything like it before. I don't think that anything quite like this exists on our planet. This is a remarkable discovery. Yes, I know. I'm so excited. I'm hoping they're going to call it after me. Don't get ahead of yourself. So he's looking at this thing and studying it. And the colleague says, well, well what can you tell me about it? What's it like? He says, well, I'm looking at it. It seems to be... Very, very, very old. Well, that's not that, is it? No, no, it's real. I don't just mean quite old. I mean, it's so old, it's as if it's older than anything else we've ever analyzed before. It's so old, it's as if it's just the oldest thing that you could even conceive or imagine. It's so old, it's like it existed even before anything else existed. In all of creation, the whole universe, nothing existed before this new substance that I found. This thing, this substance that I'm going to call spirit. Spirit. Yes, spirit. It's, it's, it existed before anything else. And it looks like it somehow exists outside of everything else that's being created. It's like no one ever created this thing. 
It existed before humans, before animals, before plants, before the world, before stars, before the universe. And here it is, under my questionable-looking microscope. And the colleague's really interested at this point. It says, oh, okay, so it's very old. Well, is there anything else you can tell me about it? Hmm, okay, I'll use the other eye now. Have you ever noticed how you naturally close one eye? It's a bit strange. Ah, oh, okay, right, just twist here. Yeah. Mm. Well, the other thing I've noticed about it, I've run a series of experiments. It seems to be totally indestructible. It seems to be just impervious to anything I've thrown. I've tried hitting it with a hammer. I've tried setting it on fire. It won't bend. It won't break. It won't shatter. There seems to be nothing I can do to this thing that causes it any harm or difficulty. It's, it's old, and it seems to be entirely indestructible. So strong that it influences the world around it. And the other scientist is really quite intrigued at this point. He says, well, this thing is really quite remarkable. Is there anything else you'd like to tell me about it? And he switches back to the other eye with the microscope and looks at it again and says, well, the strange thing about this substance, spirit, it seems to be alive. I'm looking at it through my microscope, and I... I'm studying it, and I'm looking at it, and I'm investigating this substance, spirit. And yet it looks, it feels like it's looking at me. I'm looking at this substance, spirit, and it's looking right back at me. And it's like I'm looking at it. And it's reflecting back at me the things of my life. What's going on inside me? What's going on inside my heart? What's going on in my circumstances? As I'm looking at this strange substance, spirit, it's telling me more about me than I thought I'd ever know. What a strange thing to find under the microscope. And yet Jesus says, his words have substance. His words are made out of something, and that something is spirit. And when we can read that and receive that, we understand that actually there's power in there for us. Now, the next thing I want to move on to look at as I take off my, my, my uh, lab cape, thank you very much. Thank you. I'll keep the goggles. They're kind of cool. The next thing that Jesus says or that I want to look at that Jesus says is, actually, there's a tension here with this new substance, spirit. Because he sets up, he says, the spirit gives life, but the flesh profits nothing. And so he brings out these two substances. We've looked at one of them under, under the microscope. We've looked at the substance of spirit. But Jesus talks about this other substance called flesh. I just want you to pinch your cheek there. Do you know, sometimes halfway through a sermon, it's a good idea to pinch your cheek anyway and just, you know, make sure you're all still here with us. We're all made out of flesh. I see some of you have started this already. You can pinch your neighbour if you think they're not paying attention. Some of you need less encouragement on that than others. Um, okay, that's enough. Uh, <laughs> what have we started? Uh, <laughs> you know, the, Jesus, Jesus draws it out. He says, if his word is made out of spirit... We're all made out of this other stuff called flesh. And 
you know, when we read in the Bible, not, not just in this passage, but we can read elsewhere what the Bible talks about when it talks about flesh. It can mean literally our bodies, our physical bodies, but actually it can mean something wider than that. It means the natural thinking and order, the created part of our human lives, our emotions, our feelings, our thoughts, our attitudes, all that we are as human beings, everything that's kind of human about us is covered in this word flesh. And when Jesus says the spirit brings life, but the flesh profits nothing, he's setting up this difference between the two of them. And actually, when we pause to think about it, we can say, right, under the microscope, spirit is old, it's indestructible, and it's alive. When we think about flesh, we see that flesh is young. Some of us might feel that. Uh, Flesh is young, flesh is fragile, and flesh is dead. Now, there's an interesting thought, but I want to just look back at a story that many of us would have read before, and whether, whether you've been around church or not, many people will know the, the story of Adam and Eve, and in particular, in the Bible, it tells us the story of how God created Adam, and we'll see it here. In Genesis chapter 2, we read, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. And actually, that's something that the Bible referred to as flesh. So the man had a form. He had a body. He was made in in a human form and likeness. We would have recognized that thing standing there as a human being. But there's something missing. At that point in time, the flesh wasn't alive. And then we read the next part of the verse, which is that God breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and that man became a living person. I just wonder that whether that was a truth or a, a passage of scripture that was in Jesus' spirit and in his thinking as he spoke that word. Whether somewhere in the way he was preaching that and as he, as he was explaining it to his disciples, he had that in mind. But that's certainly what came to me as I was studying this and thinking there is this difference between the flesh and the spirit. And we can read in the earliest moments of creation, we might have the form of a human being, we might have the arms, the legs, the face, the body, the everything that you'd normally expect to see in a human being, but with no breath, there's no life. And Jesus points to that and says, the flesh profits you nothing, but the spirit brings life. And we can see just in the way that God created human beings, the spirit is what brought life. And actually, if we read on into the rest of Genesis, there's some stuff that Pastor Clive was sharing with us on Thursday night. We can read on and understand that this tension between the spirit and the flesh continues, you see. And you see the the strength of the word. God speaks a word made out of spirit. He says, don't eat the fruit from that tree. It's a word, but it's got a substance of spirit. God says, don't do that. And Adam and Eve doubt that word. And they act in the flesh and they see the tree. We're told in the Bible that Eve sees the tree and sees that it looks, the fruit looks good and pleasing for knowledge. And she eats it. She sees something in the flesh and she responds to it. And then we read on in the Bible and we see what the fruit of that is. The flesh profits nothing. There's no life there. And it results in Adam and Eve being kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And again, for me, that's a really interesting picture of what it can be like in our own lives when we read something in the Bible, we hear a word, much like Adam and Eve, they had the word from God. We can hear the word from God and we can see it. We can see the substance to it. There's a something there. It's got a fabric and a substance and something you can feel and you know, 
experience about it. But actually, unless we respond to that word, it profits us nothing. It's the spirit and the substance of the word that brings life. Sometimes we feel that conflict in our, in our own lives. We feel a word that God's spoken to us or you know, encouragement that God's spoken to us. And the challenge is whether we're going to respond to the substance that is in that word. But I do feel there's hope for us. Karis and I have seen it done time and time again. We, I remember one time we were um, with some of the pastors from Columbia. Karis is really good at asking interesting questions at, at dinner time. I sort of ask about the weather and you know whatever else. But Karis is always really good at asking people questions that sort of draw out what's going on in them. And she asked um, one of these uh, Colombian ladies, she said, what is the best thing that Pastora Claudia Castellanos has ever taught you? And the lady responded, actually, it's not something that she's taught us. There's no one teaching, but actually it's the way that she is. The way Pastora Claudia is, she's always speaking words of life. That's the way she described uh, Pastora Claudia, a great preacher, inspiration of ours and my brother-in-law's mother-in-law. She's always speaking words of life. She's always saying something that's edifying. She's always speaking something that's positive. She's always speaking something that brings faith. She's always speaking these words of life. And I remember being really struck by that seven or eight years ago when we were talking to these pastors. And you know, having spent some time with the Castellanos family and Pastor Caesar and Pastor Claudia about a year ago, you know, we can see that in them. When you're with them, they're always speaking words of life. And as they speak those words of life, you can feel there's a substance in those words that impacts your own heart and your own spirit and brings life to you as well. It's a great privilege and a great blessing to be around people like that. And so I take that sometimes as a challenge to remind, to remind myself, you know, what kind of person will I be today? Will I be someone who speaks my own words? Or will I be someone who looks to speak words of life, words of faith, words of encouragement, words that carry the substance of the spirit into the lives of people around me? You know, the third thing I want to look at is this, is this word Connection something that Pastor Clive again was talking with us about this week and I felt was really key for understanding this text and these words of Jesus' connection. You know, it's really interesting when we think about that time in in the Garden of Eden when the first couple, when Adam and Eve were connected with the word that God spoke, there was life. Their spirits were alive. And when they were disconnected from the word that God spoke, their spirits ceased to be alive. And so somehow we can see that there's this thing going on. Jesus says, my words are spirit. And so we can understand that when we're connected with the word, we're connected with the Holy Spirit. We don't separate the two things and say, oh, I'm someone who connects with the word or I'm someone who connects with the spirit. Actually, no, the two are true at the same time. We say that in the Bible, we see that when you're connected with the word, you're connected with the spirit. And our, our feeling is, our sense, and one of the reasons Clive asked me to share some of this this morning is that, This year, we've received the prophetic word as a church that it's going to be the year of moving. Men moved by God, sorry, men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And if we want to be the people who are moved by the Holy Spirit into the world around us and and see the Holy Spirit operating in our lives and making a difference in our lives, in our cell groups, in our homes, in our families, in our workplaces, and seeing that power and that life, actually we need to be connected with the word because when we're connected with the word, we're connected with the Holy Spirit. Some of you guys will remember Pastor Bray Sibley, who uh, is a pastor from Louisiana in the States. 
um, from the church where Jared's originally from, uh, many miles away, and he would address everybody as y'all all the time. And some of you will remember that he was an awesome keyboard player and blues um, singer and performer. And one of the things that he uh, used to say regularly uh, to, to guys in his church was that your daily discipline determines your success. You know, one of the reasons he was saying that wasn't just because he was giving people a hard time, but actually as a musician and somebody who used to be a professional musician, he didn't wake up one morning and realize, oh, you know what? I can play the keys. Awesome. You know, like just kind of or whatever it was he did. He didn't like wake up and realize that he could improv and sing and tell a story and crack jokes all at the same time. But actually, behind the scenes, there was a daily discipline of practice, 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 and then probably some more practice to get him to a point where where actually he could perform and play and do all the amazing stuff that he does. And so he used to teach the guys in his church, your daily discipline determines your success. And so for me, there's something similar. We can learn from that, that our daily discipline with the word will determine our success in the spirit. Our daily discipline in the word will determine our success in the spirit. I guess it can be one of those things sometimes that many of us will want to have that um, either relationship with the Holy Spirit or that sort of supernatural power and ability that we see coming from the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. You know, we might want to be someone who can prophesy to the multitudes or someone who can pray for the sick and see them healed or someone who can speak the word of, of knowledge, of wisdom, of, of insight, whatever it is. You can get a, a supernatural prophecy about somebody and understand exactly what's going on in their life and situation to bring deliverance and healing and all of those things that the Holy Spirit does through our lives. We might want all of that, but actually, we can see here that connection with the Word brings connection with the Spirit. And the route to seeing those things happen in our lives, the route to being moved in the Spirit, is to be connected with the Word. One of the things that Karis and I were talking about in all of this is a, a phrase that Steve Foreman preached to us many years ago, is that there's a prize in the process. Actually, sometimes we find that as we connect with the Word, we connect with the Holy Spirit, not for the sake of all the miraculous stuff that he might do out there but actually the change that he brings in our own lives becomes a reward in itself so my encouragement this morning is that we want to be the people this year who move in the spirit speak from god influence the lives and the situations of those around us who see change in our own lives see the holy spirit doing incredible things in our lives but one of the keys to that is connection with the word that god has given us in my Preparation. I also felt that maybe there's some people here who feel that you know, they're really diligent with reading the Word. Some people feel, well, but I am connected with the Word. I am somebody who's diligent with that. I am somebody who reads the Bible every day. I am somebody who you know, is really focused and has daily discipline. Where's, where's moving in the Spirit for me? You know, I felt there were some people here who might be in that situation. But actually my feeling is, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Don't worry about that. Just be faithful in what God's put in front of you. And he's going to bring the growth and the change and the movement in the spirit that you're looking for. So I want us to respond to this word as, in a very similar way, actually, to something that Clive was saying last week. Clive was laying out some Bible reading plans. I believe those resources are on our website. And, you know, my experience has been that sometimes we receive the word on Sunday. We say, yes, I'm going to be someone who gets the 100-day Bible reading plan, and Monday's a great day, Tuesday's a great day, Wednesday's a great day, Thursday, not so hot. And you know what my feeling this morning is? You might have been someone who sat, sat down in the message last week and received an encouragement 
to be in the Word every day from Pastor Kai. Um, and you might feel that, you know, by Thursday or Friday, that had already slipped away from you. Well, today's a great day to start again. It's not too late to start again. There's fresh grace from God to start again. You don't need anything, you know, um, signs in the sky uh, to reconnect with the Word and reconnect with the Spirit. Today is a great day to start again with that. So why don't we stand together and I want to pray for us this morning. Father, I want to thank you that your word has substance. Jesus, I thank you that your word has substance in our lives and the ability to change our lives. Father, I pray that for those of us here this morning who need a word from you to bring change in our lives, will you speak that word to us swiftly? Will you speak that word through someone else, through the cell groups, through our own reading of the Bible? God, I pray that words will come. This week will be a week of great words of substance to bring the change and release that we need in our lives. Father, I pray for everyone here who started out last week with great intentions about being connected with the Word. And it might not have gone as well for them as they hoped or expected. Father, I pray for a release of grace over our lives. To just start again and feel that, that today's a great day to start. And whatever's gone before and whatever might have happened, today is a great day to start again. And God, I pray that faith will rise in our lives to read your word, to connect with the Spirit for the word, and trust that you will do the rest to bring that life in the Spirit that we all want and need so much. 